Okay, hi guys, welcome to the Love and Divide d- Daily Live, sorry. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to the weekly show. I'm joined by Petra. Hello. And this week we are joined by a very inspirational, motivational speaker, an entrepreneur, an athlete, Marcus Smith. Thank you so much for joining us. This is it. <laughs> Let's see what happens if I can live up to all of those. So this time last year you were doing Dubai Fitness 30 by 30, 30 yep. marathons in 30 days. Yep. Correct. Fitness hasn't always been a massive part of your life. Yeah, since I was young, I guess fitness was something that was huge. And I get this, asked this question a lot, like, why are you so into it? And my biggest answer, or sort of one that keeps on coming around, was I remember when I was a kid, I'd just see my parents always doing sport. Like, they'd be going out for runs, they'd be doing triathlon and stuff. And, you know, it's like when you're a kid, you want to do it. And then I remember one day, my dad said, well, come running with us. And that's kind of where it started. So you're brought up in an environment, and I was brought up in a great environment. And... I was really bad at school as well. I had no attention span. I didn't want to listen to what was going on. So I figured I better try and be good at something and I was okay at sports. So yeah, that's how it all started. Was this in the UK or in Dubai? That was actually here in Dubai. I moved to Dubai when I was four, just turning five. So yeah, where there was not really much, well, it's not like it is now, this beautiful view you guys have got here. It, It was very different, but you know, and this is the thing, we could still go outside and I would always find a wall and have a football and just kick it against it or go running up and down the street and just have fun. And I would cause mayhem inside. So mum would always say, just go outside. So I was outside a lot playing and I just played sport the whole time. That's insane. <laughs> and all that led up to the 30 marathon. Yeah, 30 I guess. Challenge. How did that transition <laughs> That's kind of an interesting one. And uh, How long have we got? But I <laughs> <laughs> like... You know, I, I love sport all the way through school and university and I played rugby to a high level and when I stopped playing rugby, I two weeks after I stopped, one of my friends called me and he said uh, we should run a marathon and immediately I was like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'd never run a marathon but I'd always like running and this was in uh, 2009, so going into 2010, I had four weeks to prepare for Dubai Marathon in 2010. And I was like, yeah, there's loads of time. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And I literally, I was like, yeah, I know a bit about this. We'll, we'll do a few longer runs. So we started with the long runs. And we, we, we literally ran from Media City to the flagpole. And then the next week from the flagpole back to Media City. And then I ran every frond on the palm for my long run. So that was like 30K. Wow. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm ready to do this. And I got on Google and I'm like, sub four hours. I figured out that sub four hours was a pretty reasonable marathon time. So I was like, well, I'm going to run it sub four. Long story short, I didn't. It was a nightmare. And I was like, I'm never going to do any more of this oh, stuff. No. This is ridiculous. You completely yeah, I was discouraged. <laughs> I played professional rugby for a long time. And I actually just, in, in 2009, I played in the Rugby World Cup sevens and yeah. massive high and all of this stuff. And you sort of go looking for these things. And it was only a few months later that I was like, that I, I'm not happy with that. I'm not happy with that failure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I was doing a lot of CrossFit at the time and I've always liked running. I've always liked being able to just say like a couple of friends, do you want to go for a 5K run, 10K run, 20K run? I, I never cared. I always liked just to be able to do it. And then I sort of looked around ultra running, ran another marathon and I found that a few people sent it to me, this thing called Marathon de Sable, which yeah. for people that don't know is a 250k race across the Sahara Desert. Probably the most intense thing you could possibly do <laughs> in your entire life, by the way. Isn't it, no, it's isn't not it that considered bad. the most uh, yeah, challenging Yeah, it's, it's, it's marketed the <laughs> toughest foot race in the yeah. world or something like that. And it's, it, listen, it's quite hard. It's, it's, it's quite across hard. the Sahara. It's quite hard. It's quite hard. <laughs> you literally, you carry everything except water 
you get given water along the way, right. but it's rationed. And right. so you have your backpack for seven days, you're out there. You sleep outside on gravel. It's, yeah, it, it's quite tough. And I started reading about it. I was like, I've got to do this. Like, I've just got to do this. It, it just sounded like the most amazing adventure. And yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I was a bit sneaky. I, I pre-registered myself and I pre-registered one of my friends. Yeah. And he called me up, he said, have you registered me for this thing? And I was like, what? no, 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 <laughs> I haven't done anything. And then a few days later, he sort of got me back and he registered me for a, a race, actually, that was in Oman, that was a 300 kilometer nonstop race. Mm. Marathon de Sable is quite easy because you, you just run like 40K every day or 50K, and then on the long day, you run about 90K, but right. you get to stop and you get to sleep. So it's, it's quite relative. straightforward. It's relative. <laughs> yeah, it's all quite relative. But this race in Oman was like a nonstop 300K race, and actually it was my first ultra, and I failed it at about 160K, it was hallucinating, and I just wasn't good enough. I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't good enough. And that's when I realized that, yeah, this, this running really has something, and it sort of ticked the box of fitness and sense of adventure, and yeah, I've not really stopped. I've done like four or five different ultras this year. Yeah. And, yeah, so. and 30 marathons. But we started covering your story yeah. last year, but actually I think your start, story started long before that. You were involved in kind of a life-changing accident, yeah. if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah, I was. And, you know, a lot of people say, why did you do 3030? Was it on your bucket list? And it wasn't. I really don't have any bucket list. But in, in February of 2018, I was trying to set a world record in ultra cycling. I do things a little bit There's extreme. There's so much going on here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so lost. Yeah, like we're all over. Sorry, guys. Just try and get it all in. <laughs> and I got hit by a truck and, yeah, I nearly died. I was I on the side you. of the road in, in from Dubai to Sharjah on the Kalba Road. And I hit a wall at 54 k's an hour, which on the impact broke my left shoulder, seven of my ribs. And that was all fine, like the bones is not a massive problem, but what was more life-threatening was I punctured my left lung. So on the impact, the lung just, if it was a ball, it just kind of goes and then it collapses. And you can't breathe. And then you're halfway between Calgary and Dubai, or Sharjah, and each one is about an hour and a half away. I was literally right in the middle. It was like the perfect place Alone not to be. I was with three friends, and but it was they were helpless because we were just, it was just too far from anywhere. Right. And Sorry, where was the truck? The truck stopped and the truck driver got out. But again, like no one could do anything. There was blood coming out of my mouth. And, you know, I just, it's like everyone's kind of being winded. Mm, wow. And it's like that times 10. That's and terrifying. then you realize, I realized where I was. So I'm an hour and a half from the hospital at Calba. So it's going to take an hour and a half to get the ambulance. It's an hour and a half from Sharjah. I'm like, well, I'm not in a good place. And I don't know if, I don't know because it hasn't sunk in what really happened, but I remember seeing the truck driver coming towards me and I abused him very badly. And, or I tried really hard <laughs> because I couldn't breathe. And then I can remember I saw straight through him. And I don't know if you're a bit into this stuff, was it a ghost? Was it something? I don't know. I've thought about it a lot and I don't know what to make of it and I don't want it to sound weird, but... I saw through this guy and I saw the other side of the road and I just had this real moment of clarity. I wasn't panicking. In my mind, I could breathe again, but, and it's almost like it was out of body maybe. And I said, I looked at the curb across the road and I was like, 
you have literally two choices here. One is you just stop. And I was like, no, I, I'm having the best time of my <laughs> life. Like, I'm cycling with my mates. I'm going to set the school record, everything at school. And so I was like, well, there's actually only one option to really fight. And it was, it was a war for like two hours. Got in the first ambulance, tried to turn on the oxygen. It was an ambulance that was under repair. That didn't work. They're moving me around. No one really knew what was wrong. They tried to move my shoulder. My whole scapula's in like... 20 like different pieces and it was I was in intensive care for three days they didn't know if my lung was opening intensive care is awful because no one really knows what's going on and you try and ask a question but they don't have an answer and you know they don't have an answer but we still ask anyway it's quite weird isn't it it's like and it's all a bit uncertain and you're loaded up with painkillers drugged up basically and you're sort of like this and in a lot of pain and Luckily, after three days, they said, you're stable to go, to go to the main ward. And I hadn't moved from the bed. Stunk. It was disgusting. So I was in the middle of riding. <laughs> I was two hours into this ride. I'm, oh, this arm wouldn't move. It literally couldn't move. And I was just like, this is just, this is wild. I thought this is just an amazing, I think I thought it was like an amazing journey, an amazing experience. And then I started thinking, I was like, well, when I got into my ward, I sat in the bed and there's a picture of me actually, I've got an oxygen mask on, trying to clear out all this stuff because there's a lot of blood in my lungs as my lung was opening. They actually put a, they put a pipe into your lung to try and open it up and it was all sort of happening. I was just sat there and I was like, you know what, if I can't ride my bike, I'm pretty sure I can run. And so it's just, and this is why, and. A lot of people don't believe it, but if you go to my Instagram, my crash was on the 10th of February. If you go to my Instagram on the 9th of February, there's a picture of me and a good friend of mine, and I wrote the text on it, influencer style, on the picture, <laughs> I wrote, everything happens for a reason. Right. And then this crash happens the next day, so I'm, I'm there out of intensive care, and I was like, everything happens for a reason, yeah. for a reason. this is cool, this is, this is the way it's meant to be. Like, it wasn't this high all the time and the drugs were making this high but like I had dips I was just like oh my god why has this happened you know and then I just had this moment in the hospital I was like there's no why has this happened there's no what if there's no nothing like this there's so many things I'll give you one quick example we've done this ride 20 times and on the way there's a petrol station and we'd always stop and have a coffee this day on the Saturday the 10th of February I said to the guys we stopped at the petrol station does anyone want coffee no one wants coffee. Cool, get back on the bikes. If we've had a coffee, yeah, it, everything would have changed. And I'm like, no, this is what it is. It happens for a reason. So I sat in the bed and I remembered a few weeks before my friend sent me a, a challenge across the island of Corsica. Now, Corsica is an island south of France, west of Italy. And there's a route across it from corner to corner, diagonally like this. And it was 195 kilometers and it has around 13,000, 12,000 meters of elevation. Everest mm. is eight and a half thousand, so there's a bit more. And I actually sent the link to one of my friends who's a school teacher, and I said, what day do you finish work? We'll go, we'll fly the next day. <laughs> this was February, and the plan, was, like I told him, when you finish for summer holidays in June or July, we're gonna go. Yeah. It's like, mate, you can't move, <laughs> you're in the hospital bed, just relax. And I was like, no. So I'm going to do this. I said, I'm going to, I can't ride my bike. I didn't, you know, it was very hard and it's still quite hard now to ride. And 
I don't want my wife when I'm out riding worrying about me, my mum. I don't want I don't want my family to worry about me, so I don't want to go back on the roads and I was like we can run. Actually some of the places we ran in Corsica was way more dangerous. <laughs> don't all. tell them that. <laughs> all, no, I was I was sending pictures to my mum. I'm like, Mom, you did this to me. Yeah. There's a sheer cliff oh down. Yeah. Your poor mom, she was yeah. terrified. Yeah, she is a bit. That's always put on my Instagram. She watches my story and I'm like, sorry mom. <laughs> Do you feel that that changed your mentality going forward? Did it change yeah. how you perceive things? It, you know it did. I, I'd like to say no. I'd like to say I lived very present. I've always been quite a positive person. I've done a lot of motivational speaking. But the tools I had to use, or the way I had to be, when I saw through that driver, that's why I let you hear that example. Like what I had to use there yeah. of just clearing everything from my mind and creating this insane amount of presence is it's almost like you feel like it's a superpower. That's why it was the same in the marathons. Mm. Like I thought about that near death experience a lot. And I was like, in that situation, there was no choice. I removed the choice. Like the choice of death wasn't, I, I just took it away. And I just focused purely on breathing, nothing else. So when I was doing my marathons, when it got A, there was never a choice not to do it. There's like a lot of people go into something and you know, okay, I'm going to enter the, this race and uh, if it doesn't go well, I'll pull out. Like you're already giving yourself this chance. Like if you want to finish it, you finish it, you can crawl. Like the race that I pulled out of, I could have finished it. And it, it like in 2012 or something, the one that I said at the start, the 300K one, I could have finished it, but I just didn't want to because I, I had this option. So if you start not giving yourself the option... It's a mind game. It's a complete yeah. mind game. And everyone... We're in a world at the moment of, of, I believe, complete distraction. We're distracted by everything. You, you literally... You go to your phone to do something important like call your mum. And honestly, and everyone's done it, 15 minutes later... You put the phone down, you haven't called your mum, mm. but you don't know why you picked it up. Absolutely. But you've replied to some rubbish Instagram messages, you've checked an email you don't care about, you've read a WhatsApp that's annoyed you, and now you're not in, even in the mood to call your mum. So we're in this place of distraction. So everyone says, like, what do you think about when you're running? What do you think? Like, we need this time. Yeah. We, we need this complete disengagement to, to, to live and to be. And... That was something that I was, that's a tool that I think I've got better at or a behavior that I've got better at through through the time in hospital, through the crash and yeah, and then through waking up every day and running for 42.2 Ks. Like, and I could do it. Like I had great support. You guys were amazing. And because of what you guys did, I had like 20 or 30 people running with me every day. Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> all of Dubai came out and joined you. I'm sure you guys all saw the coverage. It was yeah, class. It was just amazing. And, you know, I'm super, we're talking about it before we were recording. Like, the support I got from, from key bits of media, like you guys, was just amazing because it, it just made it, in one way, it made it so easy. But sometimes I had like 20 or 30 or 50 people running with me, and I'd still have to create this. I'd be in so much pain, but I'd have to have this conversation and you have to create this sort of presence and this being now that, you know, we're, we're worried too much about tomorrow or yesterday or this, like 
If you want to live now, like right now, all I can think about is this great conversation we're having. Well, I'm having a good time. I hope everyone else is. But you've got to put it in. And I think we're just, we're not really good at that anymore. And we're just so distracted. So that's a massive skill, a long-winded answer to your question. But that's a massive skill that I've learned just living now. And, and then stuff like, you know, just, it's not that bad if you've lost your iPhone. It's, it's, it's pretty okay. You know, even the other day I was running in the mountains and I'd just finished. I'd run for about 18 hours through the night and this guy pulls up and he's like, guys, I've lost my iPhone. And he, wasn't, he wasn't even with us. He said, I stopped here 10 minutes ago and 100% it fell out and he's freaking out. And I'm just sat in my chair. I'm like, buddy, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I said, it's fine. So I think a lot of the time we really, we really sweat really small things we we care too much about what like that's what you know there, there was another scenario when I was in the hospital the physio came in on second or third day I was in the ward and he said to me do you want to go for a walk now bearing in mind all my bone I broke seven ribs my shoulder can't breathe pipe coming out of my lung catheter in because I obviously couldn't get off the bed and this guy's literally just picked up my bag of urine and my bag of blood he's a physio he's clipped them on the, his waist belt I've got out of the bed with my hospital gown on, which is open at the back. I've got cuts everywhere. And we're walking down the ward. So all my sanity, everything is just gone. And I'm having the best time of my life. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the first time I've walked. You know? And it was just so... So when I look back on these small situations, I'm like, why are we, why are we sweating? So I still argue with too much with my wife. <laughs> I'll say it, you know, we still niggle each other. Not in a bad way. We love each other and, and, and spend a lot of good time together. But we but still... Why do we sweat the small stuff? And we all, we're all... Yeah, we're all we're guilty just, of it. You know, and you that's... It puts so much in perspective. And that's in, in the work environment, in our personal lives. And then, yeah, like I said, it's like tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Just let's live now. And so, yeah, there was a lot of learnings. But I, it's, all, it's all super surreal still. Yeah. Like the marathons is just, it was almost like the icing on the cake. Plus I was 40 last year. And so it was all like a crazy year for all this to happen. But, and I guess the more spend time I spend reflecting on it, like I still, I have my marathon chart and I've, where I wrote every day and I visit that a lot. And I just try and think, because I don't think we can learn everything in one shot. We have to keep using the experiences and reflecting. And it's been a wild time. Put it that way. It sounds like it. Yeah. And what about your work life? Kind of, you mentioned you're an entrepreneur, motivational yeah. speaker. Where does your work passion lie? Like, what gets you up every morning? Yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. I did, I did about 10 or 12 years in sort of the, the well, with Adidas and worked with Nike. And I realized quite when I was quite young that that wasn't going to be forever. I got a lot of satisfaction out of helping people, but I knew I needed a lot of tools to do that. So Adidas was like university for me. Thanks for paying for me to do that. <laughs> Actually, did they? <laughs> no, but I just learned everything that I needed to. So then when I was about 30, I, I set up my, well, I set up in a fight in 2008 and people were just coming to me and saying, oh, can you help me with this challenge? And I just found it. Very fulfilling, just helping someone. So it's a really well-known gym in Dubai, guys. Yeah, aware. Yeah, it's quite so popular. <laughs> yeah. Big Rossi goes there. <laughs> yeah, Big Rossi comes sometimes. No, he does a good job. But yeah, that was, and and I was like, you know, if I find something, they would say, if you find something you're super passionate about, it's not like working. Listen, sure. there's, there's certain yeah. parts of 
running my business and have a food business, Smith Street Pelo, with my wife. There's certain parts of that that are super challenging. I don't like 100% all of the tasks. And luckily, I'm now in a position where I've employed people to do the tasks that I don't like. But I just love the fact that people will come to us. We're, we're in a very unique position in that people will come to us and entrust us with their body. And I know, because we've been doing it for a while now, I know anyone that walks through the door, if they're really ready, and if they're not ready, I'll try and get them ready. If they're really ready, I can make their life a lot better. And it doesn't work with everyone. Some of them are just, we can't unlock them, if you like, and, and there's certain things that they can't let go of and, and crack on. But a lot of people were just through running, through just helping them eat better, just by being, just a lot of people just want to be listened to, you know, and, and they don't want to go to a fitness center or a personal trainer and like they don't care about what that personal trainer did this morning to get his biceps so big. Like that's not interesting. They want the personal trainer to ask them how they are. And we've got to try that and sense. that's our job, our job. Like I always say it to our coaches, someone's walked into our gym, they've entrusted you with the most valuable asset they have, their body. It's yeah. like, it's everything to them and they've given it to you. You have to take that on such a serious level because you've got a unique opportunity to change it and that's and to make it better and to let them have an amazing life. And I'm sure you can imagine the sort of stuff that I've seen over the years. You know, we've had we've had all sorts of people come in and we've had to, we've had people from 230 kilos to addicts of various different things to family situations and it's not always about the you know the sets and the reps that you're doing it's just about being in this environment and I just see over time if it's three months six months some people have been training with us for nine or ten years their life just gets better and that's like you can't it's it's intangible it's hard to measure you know not everyone goes <laughs> really well we have some disasters but you know when you start to see that it's just amazing and yeah. I wake up every morning I'm like yeah, I've got another chance to do this today nice. and it's really it's really cool it's hard work the fitness industry is hard we're on 24 hours basically like in October till October the 15th I'd been in my bed nine days in the month I've been at a couple of different races, taking clients, different You must places. have like the energy. That, what? Actually, here's a question about energy and food. We were talking about different diets, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. Not well, we're t you do Smith Paleo, yeah. correct? Yeah. What, what does that entail exactly? Why Paleo above other fitness nutrition yeah. plans? It's a very, very good question. Mm -hmm. And it literally comes out of, it was in about 2004 when I first started doing CrossFit. And there was this link between CrossFit and Paleo. And I was like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Less processed food. Mm. And to be totally honest with you, I had quite a sweet tooth. So I could easily do like two, three or four Mars bars a day. I was never out of shape, but I was just eating all the sugar and I knew it was bad. And then I started doing some research about Paleo treats. That's where it all started. And I was like, wow, I can make this stuff. And it's, it's dates and nuts and cacao. And it tastes really good. Yeah. And I can just eat as much of it as I want, which is not the case. <laughs> but that's when I started looking into it. And then my wife, Holly, was flying for Emirates. And she did about 13 years with Emirates. And in about 2005 or 2006, she used to come home and her, her ankles were really swollen. And she'd say to me, can you, can you massage them? And I'm not really good at that stuff anyway, but I was like, yeah, okay, I'll try, blah, blah, <laughs> trying to be the good husband. And they were literally sore to touch. And 
I was like, this is, this is weird. Like there's something going on with the flying. Did some more research and basically we both moved to a paleo diet. Her inflammation went down. I felt great. My energy felt awesome. I wasn't having four or five Mars bars a day. And it was, it was fueling my, my fitness performance as well. And Holly's a very good cook. She always has been. And she started experimenting with stuff. And fast forward to sort of 2015, and we set up Smith Street Paleo. And all it is is just it's unprocessed natural food. We kind of, in simple terms, if you can grow it or if you can kill it, then you can eat it, and if not, you probably shouldn't be eating it. So if it comes in a yeah, weird... Yeah, it's like the caveman diet. It's a bit like caveman, yeah. And it was, you know, nowadays you've got so many different things, but if you just kind of think back to pre-2010, which I know is 10 years ago, but there wasn't really many fad diets out there, so it's not really been a fad. Paleo hasn't actually come on trend. We're waiting for it so the business goes bang, but <laughs> you can all buy it. <laughs> but it's kind of just a really... It's a really simple way of eating and I use it, listen, and I tell this story, I've told this story publicly on the sixth day of my marathons, I was driving home from the gym, four o'clock in the afternoon, and I had the urge to eat a croissant and I went to Spinney's and I bought three croissants and I sat in my car and I ate them. I'm not really sure if I'm allowed to say this like a fat kid would. And they were absolutely brilliant. So it's not 100% of the time. Okay, Sometimes, the time. Yeah. especially in, in some of my more extreme challenges, there is nothing quite as good as a Snickers bar when you're completely dead. Sure. But uh, so it's yeah. not as strict as. Yeah, it's not. I mean, that isn't paleo, but I guess, you know, if you follow something 90% of the time, then, you know, you're doing pretty good. But the more that you eat, paleo because it, I found that actually fits quite well I don't really crave like I would hate I would hate to work in an office where they bring in birthday cakes because they're full of sugar and they <laughs> yeah. taste you cannot come to the love and the <laughs> yeah. don't want to say anything bad about you guys but yeah and yeah exactly but it's quite funny because Holly started making cakes for the staff at the gym but they didn't like them, so that apparently they've gone back to sugar cakes, but they only have them when I'm not there, apparently. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's kind of how we eat, and gives me loads of energy, and I feel good the whole time. So, so it's really nice. about finding something that suits you. And yeah, to it, that's yeah. it. You know, you kind of, you've got a lot of people, and oh, is it vegan, is it keto, is it whatever Netflix put up? Like, you know, I don't know, just figure out something, just test something in the right way, figure out. I'm not saying, I say it to a lot of people that come to see me, if you can eat pizza and drink beer and hit all your goals, yeah. I can't argue with you. You know, I've just found a way that works really well for me. It's worked for a lot of people. And basically about 90% of the people that we put onto paleo, they have a good time with it. Cool, so, so just find what suits you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, th I think people are a little bit head up and again, they're sort of looking to different avenues and oh, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't yeah. matter what everyone else is doing. That's another, probably another learning from, from 2018 that I had and, and sort of brought, like, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. You know, you guys have come into this market and you do what you do. You know, and I know you've got yeah. different competition in different ways, but you've just kind of cracked on and done what you've done. And a lot of people are just going, oh. Regardless of the naysayers. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? And you sort of, and, and people are like, how did they do that? And it's the same with the gym. We've always just done what we want to do. We've got clear vision. And it's the same with, with your food. Like, figure out what works for you. Personally, I guess. Crack yeah. on, yeah. Okay, to finish off, uh, we just have a good question that we were talking about earlier. We've never asked this before, but it's something that's really interesting. Yeah. Do you want to? <laughs> yes, so if you could have a dinner party with three people that you look up to the most that are alive, is what we decided. Yeah. Who would these three people be? It's difficult. And why? And why? <laughs> who and why, yeah. And why? So I normally get 
businessman, sports person, and to be honest, if I could have, if it was my last dinner, I'd have dinner with my parents, my sister, and my wife. Like, I don't care about anyone else. If I had to, so we'll take them out. So they're number one. We'll, we'll take them out the this way. This is like a grand dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's two but tables. I would, you know, it's, I've, but I've never been much into celebrities and people like that. There are some people okay. I look up to, though, who I think have just done something amazing. I think Richard Branson in Business and Life, absolutely inspirational. You get different negative reports on some of the Virgin companies, but... When I see the guy on Necker Island, I just like, yeah. dude, you're crushing it. He's playing tennis. And there are over 200 companies. I mean, it's yeah, like, like you're going to get that, aren't you? But he's playing tennis with Bjorn Borg. I'm just going, like, you're an absolute champion. <laughs> so he's definitely won. From a, from a sports point of view, I, Roger Federer is just such a, yeah. an amazing sportsman. <laughs> he's done something incredible. There's a lot of different sports people. I'd, I'd love to get Lance Armstrong around the table because he was someone that I did look up to for a long time because I love cycling. And obviously, like, with the drug scandal, it's it's just... That's a very good one, I think. Yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, you know, I just, just like to... I, I still listen to his podcast. I, I, you know, I've watched all the documentaries again with the documentary, what's the motive and stuff. So he's definitely someone. And then, you know, someone else that I'd, I'd get is... Is that three? <laughs> yeah, Lance Armstrong, the sportsman Lance Armstrong or Federer. Yeah. I'd, I'd quite like to get some form of politician. I'm not really into politics, okay. but, you know, I think when I was growing up, like John Major, as he was, you know, prime minister, something like that, just super interesting people. I always like to think as well, like, those people that were in those positions when I was a kid, I wonder what they're doing now, like when they're 70 odd and 80, so to get them around the tables. Yeah, it could be, could be quite cool. But I think, I also think that a lot of the time we are looking, we're trying to look up a lot to people, but there's, there's and I answered this in, in an interview the other day, like some security guards in some of these high rises could be the most inspirational person you meet that day. Mm -hmm. And they could inspire you because they smile and they say hello. And I think that's quite incredible. And a lot of us just walk straight past them. And you're going to walk into the elevator in this building and no one's going to say good morning. No one's going to smile. So a lot of the time, I think we're just trying to set the bar too high on who right. we're looking at. Like imagine if, if you invited the guy downstairs for dinner. That, can we have him as well? Is that five? <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's, you know, I think no, that's really good we, we really have to sort of start just looking a little bit more simple. Like everyone has a story I, I say that when I invite people to the podcast everyone has a story something to share and if you look in the right way you can find some really cool parts of, of everyone so it's not just because you're Beyonce that I want to have dinner with you okay that's, that's a really that's nice thought to finish on yeah. okay. cool. <laughs> thank you so much for your time yeah, and for giving us kind of a whole lot of history I feel like we got a lot in there sorry I talk a lot <laughs> <laughs> no but like we got a good insight so thank yeah. you so much and we look forward to following your journey as it continues yes. thank you very much Okay, guys, we are back same time, same place next week. See you soon.